You are now listening to For All Nerds Show, a podcast about geek and pop culture from the perspective of people of color. For All Nerds is hosted by DJ Ben Amin and Tatiana Keene-Jones. Our show is edited and produced by Brother Chris. For All Nerds Show is a member of the Loudspeakers Network, where we always say rest in peace to our founder, Combat Jack. For All Nerds Show is powered by our listeners. Everything we do from our podcasts, live events, our website are all independently funded. Please continue to support us through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash for all nerds. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the For All Nerd Show. The voice of the Urban Geek, the podcast where we discuss geek culture from the perspective of people of color. And as always, sitting in the captain's chair, it's your boy, DJ Ben Amin, a.k.a. Arsenio Holiday, Galactus Jack, Black Black Goliath, Yolo Baggins, the ghost in the shell toe, Doctor Whose Mans is this? Meat Mill House. You know, just had to throw one more in <laughs> there. Gotta be sure. Yeah, you know, gotta be sure. You know, I could always throw a few more, but I'm good for now because sitting in the co chair, we have Tatiana King Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as Beretta Scott King, Sean Jean Luc Picard, Jay Prince of All Saiyans, Father Stretched My Bands, and Baptin of Maribu. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you know what? I really Fa- go ahead. No, Father Stretch My Bands always gets me. I love that one, but I was gonna say I really like that you brought back Black Black Goliath. Like that's ridiculous. Yes, it really. I is. mean, just the name Black Goliath is stupid, but really <laughs> playing off the Deadpool. You know when he was doing Black Black was it Black Black Widow? Yeah. He called uh, he called Domino Black Black Widow. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I did not like Deadpool 2 that much, but that joke, oh my God. Absolutely. And then when he was riffing on Black Tom for not being black, that was also, you know, those were incredible. That, like that, that was Ryan Reynolds is a damn fool. And everyone involved in that writer's room is a damn fool. But yes, welcome to another episode of the For All Nerd Show. Thank you to all the new listeners for tuning in. Thank you to all the new subscribers on pretty much every platform that you can find your better podcasts on. That includes Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitch, all of them at For All Nerds. Just search for For All Nerds and it comes up on Google and hit subscribe. Leave a rating, a comment, all that good stuff. And, you know, become one of the fan fam. And thank you for doing so. You know, as you hit pause right now and go do that. And, you know, then you unpause and you're back and we're here, you know. It's beautiful. <laughs> and Amazing you know. <laughs> how technology works, right? Yeah. And, you know. Got you. Yeah, and you know, you know, technology. <laughs> Boom. We're still in your ear holes right here. That's right. It's the For All Nerd Show. Thank you, though. Thank you to everybody. I uh, hope everybody's having a good week. We're coming to the end of summer. 
sadly. I know most people think summer's Ooh. over as soon as, as soon as Labor Day Ooh. hits. But Technically, you got until September 21st. What's that, the fall equinox? There we go. Yep. When a yep. planet's there we aligned, so we... Stonehenge aligned, you know you die? Shit like that. Wow. Maybe okay. I don't know. Uh, that, yeah, that escalated <laughs> quickly. That got dark. Um... <laughs> You know, I'd like to keep on going, but yeah, you know, if that's that's it, that's it. But no, well, you know, brother, right now well, we brother, still are. You didn't know, my brother. A portion of yeah, your soul yeah. dies every year on the autumnal equinox, my brother. Because you see, now I ain't gonna go into all that. It's a C O N spiracy. Oh, um, like yeah, yeah, I know. I, I mean, we already started the show. You know, people are highly entertained by all this witty my banter brother, that we have brother. going on right here. I mean, I would hope so, because we put a lot of effort into this witty banter that you're getting right now. And speaking of putting effort into it, thank you once again to everybody over on Patreon.com slash For All Nerds for continuing to support the mission that we have going on over here. You know, spreading geek culture from the perspective of people of color week after week. Thank you very much. And, you know, let's get into that. We have there is some really big news this week. I really don't know which of these two topics we should jump into first but i mean out of a respect for greatness okay. you know i'm i'm going to strip my own you know especially <laughs> out of respect for gr- greatness and talk about how walter mosley one of the most esteemed authors of our time uh let's see novelist. i mean devil in a blue dress yeah novelist i mean writer in general you know author um devil in a blue dress some of you might have seen the film version with uh, Denzel Washington and uh, Don Cheadle eating it up as Mouse, um, the character Mouse, not Mouse Jones. Shout outs to you, Mouse. <laughs> and also uh, Black Betty, I've read. I mean, d- uh, on and on and going on and on and on. But basically one of the great writers of our time was recently hired to work in the Star Trek Discovery writers room. Which to me is also wild, right off the bat. Like I understand he might know he's actually he's actually has some, I mean, he has science fiction and he has screenwriting experience. So it's yeah. Not, yeah. So for the fact that they just hired him as a, I guess a staff writer, it seems it's kind it seems wild. Yeah, kind of wild, disrespectful to me. You know, like I understand he shouldn't be. You know, show running might be a bit bid, but editor, you but, know, s- strip but editor. If they reached out to him and yep. said, "We want you as a writer on the show." He said yes, and it's not. True. Really disrespectful. It's not, you know, he had a choice. True indeed. So, you know, but I feel like they should have reached out and given him, you know, something. But anyway, he was. Well, we already know what happened with that. Yeah, Remember, true. Your facts. Home, your homeboy. Your homeboys he, were running this and then that went away. Yeah. Well, Star Trek Discovery has been going through its struggles in general with a lot of behind the scenes action, as uh, like we just said, alluded to. Brian Fuller, a friend of ours, was once one of the showrunners and he exited the show i think the rest of the showrunners from season one also left after that not 100 percent sure about that but there's been a lot of turmoil with that show we've talked about it before when we were at the star trek uh anniversary celebration how they barely even knew what the hell was going on with discovery then and we were both yeah. hyped about it and then it turned out to be an amazing show it's great it's a fire show fire so they hired walter mosley one of the best authors of all time i keep saying his name i want y'all to go out if you haven't read any of his books or any of his works at all to pick something up you can find some of it on the internet he's written pieces all kind of stuff i mean go read this man's writing amazing anyway they hired him as one of the staff writers and recently, Walter Mosley exited, was fired, uh, let go 
from Star Trek Discovery because allegedly the reason is that he was retelling a story, something from his own personal past to a group of writers in the writer's room one day. And he happened to use the word or perhaps he said because he was being called. I'm not sure which, you know, he he didn't ER or, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, I'll clarify. Yeah, he was telling a story and he was explaining in the context of what the of when that word was used against him. Oh, okay. he was recounting a story about racial violence in Los Angeles. Mm. And he was talking about how uh, a cop had stopped him on the streets of L.A. Wow. And said and and the, and, and the cop used the full term any mm-hmm. N.I.G.G.E.R. Mm-hmm. So he as the they are wont to do. Right. So the cop. And and again, this is Walter Mosley recounting a story and just saying verbatim what a cop told him and explaining to him. And I don't want to use this other term because I feel like that's also a uh, uh, what do they call it? Like a, a disrespectful descriptor for for a certain type of people. I don't know if it's meant for Irish people or other people. But the point is, the cop was like in certain neighborhoods, he stops N words. And, and you know, you know, like basically, just saying, in, in a certain neighborhood, if you're an N word, you're going to get stopped because they're usually up to no good. And Walter was just telling the story as he remembered it. What happened after that is someone, quote unquote, in the room was uncomfortable with his use of the word and told HR. Now, the interesting about this is when HR approached Walter about this, Walter said, "I am the N word in the writers' room." quote unquote mm. which is real and, and and to me that's like the Ooh, i just can't believe you had a legend shit. having to say this to people so he wasn't let go walter said his answer to hr was to resign and move on mm. he says and i quote i was in a writer's room trying to be creative while at the same time being surveilled by unknown critics who would snitch on me to a disembodied voice over the phone Mosley said, my very my every word would be scrutinized sooner or later. I'd be fired or worse silenced. So because of that understanding that he had, he decided to resign. Lord of Jesus. OK, well, go back a bit. And you said that yes. an, uh, slur of Irish nature was also. I, d- I used. don't know if it's Irish. I think it is, but I'm not sure. Um, you, can, I, you can uh, say it and we'll bleep it if need be. But, you know. OK. OK. The quote is. I had just told a story about a cop that explained to me, quote, on the streets of Los Angeles, he stopped all niggas in patty neighborhoods and all patties in neighborhoods because they were usually up to no good. (laughs) I was telling a true story as I remembered it. Now, again, I don't I don't know what that slur is Irish for. So is it? okay? yeah, I can definitely can (laughs) St. Patrick's patties, you know. Wow. Whoa. That's what happened. So, and, and interestingly, a Hollywood reporter, when they reported on this issue, they mentioned that the Discovery Writers Room is very diverse with three African-American scribes, two Asian-American writers, oh. a Native American, and a, and a, and a Latinx woman, woman, among others. Among others, I guess they mean other white people. Mm. And so. so there's no telling who exactly made the complaint, supposedly. I don't either. I don't know what to make of this. Yeah, this is definitely an interesting, you know, very interesting. And I, you know, personally have had, you know, pretty much what I would call pretty very limited experience in writers rooms. I've, you know, spent a season on a show 
in a writer's room and it was a very diverse writer's room but it was also in the constraints of Hollywood and uh, let's say I think the easiest way to say this is that Hollywood even with all the progression it's made is still a very white male dominated straight white male dominated town yeah I would even say yeah yeah definitely straight white male dominated town for the most part and white in general and but that is interesting at the same time there are very diverse writers rooms and from all reports the Star Trek room appears to be one of them but I would also say that Walter Mosley was probably one of the older people in the room you know I'm not sure 100% sure on that though because writers rooms also you know vary in age this is a very you know the, the more you hear about it this is a very interesting story you know I I I know the only that thing I don't understand yes. for me is and again we don't even know the context of how the story even came up like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if and, and, and this is not playing tell blame, us a tale blame, Walter blame. you know was right, it like right. that it's not blaming placing yeah. <laughs> it's not placing blame anywhere I don't know where the context of the story came up like they, he just was sitting there they were in like everyone was quiet and he jumped up and said I remember when they called me and they like did he just say that or was it like they were talking about they just happened to be talking about what's happening in their lives oh okay well let me let me let me just say this like in writers rooms like through a day in a writers room like you're in there from eight in the morning nine in the morning till five six seven o'clock sometimes you know depends on how your room is run whatever you're in there for a lot of time and you're constantly throwing ideas at the wall literally like because there's someone writing your ideas on a wall and so everything comes up like i i trying to compare it to a situation or well, even though it's different but like any situation where you're in you know a confined space with people for a long amount of time and are forced to talk you'll run through everything you know you'll know each other's favorite films you'll know this you'll know that you know you'll talk about all kind of stories and all kind of stories from your life will relate to characters that you're creating and so those stories will come up and so i'm sure it could have been any number of ways that this story could have come up because people talk that's what you do in writer's rooms it's you talk and you're supposed to be very trusting of each other and able to you know express yourself and throw ideas out without fear of being rejected without fear of being silenced and the other things that walt like what walter said there is very true also well mr mosley said let me really be respectful to the man and yeah it's like the fact is like it's very difficult to be in a writer's room as a person of color even when there are a diverse room and one issue that I had was wanting to always express myself as I did in any other situation and still being wary of someone worry, you know, overreacting to something I say or taking something I say the wrong way where I offend someone because I spoke out against white supremacy or patriarchal society like I normally do. And so those things, why you want to be creative and you want to throw every idea, sometimes you find yourself policing your own words and worrying about, oh, wait, I can't say that because they might take this the wrong way. Even to this day, I feel that way when I tweet now because I've worked with certain people and I know how Hollywood is. And so some days when I'm tweeting something, I'll be like, oh, man, I hope this person doesn't read that and feel a certain way, you know? Right. It even and relates I'm to another never- topic. Yeah, go ahead. No. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm never going to tell someone how they should or should not feel about something that's said. I am 
and the reason why I had asked, how did that even come up? Because I'm just curious about how we even it even got to that point. I'm also curious as to now we can't, it almost feels like, oh, we can't tell a, a true story about something that happened and using the terminology within context without it being policed. Mm. Well, this goes to like a lot of things like, okay, again, um, you know, we talked about the Dave Chappelle special last week. Today, Bill Burr dropped his new special on Netflix, right? The moment I find I see his name trending, I'm like, oh, wow, I wonder what's going on with Bill. I click on it. Immediately, every top topic is, oh, Bill's, you know, off his rocker. He's over here saying, you know, there's no such thing as a man who's a feminist. Uh, he's hating on the Me Too movement. Oh, he's doing this. Oh, he's doing that. I'm like, all right, let me watch this. I love me some Bill Burr, you know, right off the bat. I don't know who he is. He's a white dude. He's a comedian. He's really funny to me personally. He was on Breaking Bad. If You watch all Breaking Bad. Right. Yeah, yeah. He was one of uh, I, he ended up working for everyone. He worked for Walter White. He worked. He rolled around with Huey with the big black dude for a minute. He's a little swarmy white guy. OK. Red haired. Yeah. Bald headed. Yeah. Yeah. OK. But anyway, funny comedian. But in his new special, he's talking about some of the things that Dave was talking about. Some of the things that most comedians are talking about today, how everyone's too sensitive, how he can't say anything without being taken one way. And I feel like that, you know, same thing is now it's turned into pretty much every way in Hollywood. Like you just said, like you can't even tell a true story of your own life without somebody flipping it because now there's this whole idea of reverse racism or like, or that's racist, you know, that you said that. But I'm like, yo, it was racist that it was used against me, dog. It's not racist that I said the word, you know, to repeat it. Which is why he said that I am the N-word in the room. So how can you tell me what, what is, what, yeah. What experience I probably share like, with you. And they're probably like, no, we got a couple of other N-words in the room too. So, you know, like, what do you mean, Bill? I mean, <laughs> I mean, Walter, you know, like, no, you know, there's nothing to do. Obviously, yeah. obviously we're missing a great great portions of the full story at the end of the day i am personally confused about that approach of again policing uh retelling of someone's life and someone who lived through the history of america mm. and someone of mr mosley's stature and that's not saying that you have to be of stature to also get uh be treated respectfully like it could have been me yes like i don't i don't have all these books under my belt and all this other stuff i also feel like if i if i said that share that story regardless you know if i share that story and then later i got a call from hr saying oh so and so felt some type of way again i'm not going to police the other person feel the type of way but i would have really liked that person to be like yo let me talk to you mm -hmm. like talk to me directly yeah why do we have to and Walter used the term snitch. Why do we, Oof. why does it, how did it, he literally used it, it's, it's in there. Yep. It's, it's quoted. So I, I don't understand the approach that was used by whomever snitched on Mr. Mosley. And like I say, when, when my experience in the writer's room, I was in a writer's room with uh, four staff writers for me and my partner, uh, Mello, marketer shout outs, um, Olivia, Dipika, uh, Olivia's an African-American woman. Dipika's an Indian-American, East Indian-American woman. And then there was like pretty much everyone else in the room was white. <laughs> and so um, 
it was one of those scenes where sometimes, you know, I would definitely feel like, and everyone else who was white was above us. And they were some of the most woke white people I've ever known. You know, they're all writers, all creatives, all have lived in Hollywood. We're all working on a show like American Gods. So they were already in there, you know, willing to disrupt stuff and break things down. But at the same time, I would get pushback sometimes and I would feel like, okay, I can't say this or I can't say that. Or maybe I shouldn't have said that. So, yeah, like you said, we're missing a lot from this story, but I just fully agree with what you just said, that it's wild to me that one, someone would snitch on Walter Mosley, you know? Like, that's a lot of heart, you know what I mean? Like, that, that takes a lot of heart to be like, yo, I'm going to go snitch on the man who wrote all, you know, what? But, you know, that, that Hollywood Shuffle, y'all, you know, if, like I always tell y'all, if you've never seen the movie, the film, Hollywood Shuffle by Robert Townsend, you should especially see it, especially if you are a African-American or a person of color or a press person in general who wants to work in Hollywood. Hollywood Shuffle really will lay it all out for you, you know, straight up and down. Shit. Yeah. This is crazy, but uh, and again, I have to train myself to stop using the term crazy like that so cavalierly. Hmm. This I don't understand. There we go. Yeah. This is ludicrous speed. <laughs> that's what it's I'm gonna say that going forward thank you that's easy to replace yes it definitely is this is all gone plaid and with that we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with more for all nerd show Hey guys, it's Allison Williams. I'm an actor, and when I am not scaring people on screen, I am hanging out with For All Nerds and listening to their show. Hey guys, this is Rod and Karen of the Blackout Tips Podcast, and when we are doing one of our mini podcasts, yes, we are listening to For All Nerds. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Asante, one-third of the Friend Zone, and when I am not smoking pot or playing Shinobi Striker, I am listening to For All Nerds. Tune in. What's up, everybody? This is Chuck Creekmer, a.k.a. Jigsaw from AllHipHop.com. And when I'm not placing my heavy hand on the world of hip-hop culture, I'm watching for all nerds. Hey, this is Logan Browning, and when I'm not trying to take over Netflix, I'm looking to for all of nerds. Yo, what up? This is Yahya Abdul-Mateen the second I play Black Manta in the Aquaman movies. And when I'm not getting around the city, I'm chilling, listening to For All Nerds. What's up, y'all? This is Ann Steven Harris, fire artist, co-creator of Aztec, fire artist on Ajala, The Fringe, Michael Cray, Watson the Homes, don't forget Watson the Homes, award winner of Watson the Homes, Glyph Award, eyes are nominated. When I'm not drawing, I am listening to For All Nerds. Check it. Hey, I'm Malcolm Lee, director of Night School, and when I'm not directing, writing, and producing, and editing and spending time with my kids, I'm listening to For All Nerds. Hey, this is Pamela Ribbon, and when I'm not writing things like My Boyfriend is a Bear or Ralph Breaks the Internet, I am listening to For All Nerds. Yo, what's up? This is Chico Leo, and when I'm not leading an Athenian revolt in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I'm listening to For All Nerds. Like 
And what's up, y'all? And welcome back to this episode of the For All Nerd Show. As always, make sure you're subscribed everywhere. You know, I'm not going to listen again. Just go out, type in For All Nerds into that search bar. Anything that comes up, hit subscribe, hit follow, leave a comment, five star ratings. I will say on iTunes, please, y'all, if you haven't done this yet, go over to iTunes right now. Once again, hit pause. You know, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. It's on your phone. You don't even have iTunes. To, you don't even have to. I mean, iTunes. You don't even have to go nowhere. Apple Podcasts. It's right there on your phone. Go there. Hit Fall Nerds. Leave a review and a five star rating. It helps us so much. It helps us move up in the charts so other people see For All Nerds so we can bring you more of this hotness. You know, simple. Like, please, please, please. Please. You already know the gift I'm using. I'm begging you for my soul. All right. Um, Favorite gift. My one of my one of my top five, right up there with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and his. <laughs> no, yeah, that that's <laughs> that and uh, James Franco giving you that. What you know? Look when he raises up from the seat. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's one of my favorites too. Yeah, those are probably top three right now. And random DJ gifts. But anyway, um, speaking of random. Today, it was announced that there would be a face-off. Wait, I got to do that right. Face-off. Remake. Is that how he said it in the movie? It, no, he, it's more like face-off. <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah, It's, it's so bad. But, that, that but this movie is a classic, too. Wow. See, I heard that thrown around a lot today. And, it's a cult classic. Let okay, there we go. It. Yeah, because it is like, yo, I was sitting in a the theater watching face-off. Like, what the hell is going on? And I already knew about John Woo films, so I knew about the doves and the slow motion and the diving, shooting, and all that. But that movie's just ludicrous on every level. It, which is why it's a cult classic. Yeah. I saw the movie on TBS, so <laughs> as you should. It's definitely a, a Sunday removed. afternoon movie. Yeah, no, I saw that drawing in the theater. When it came out in 97? I did, yes. Wow. Yeah, I was hyped. Big screen. Yeah, because yeah, so I saw it on big screen. I was already. A lot of people were hyped. Those were the two biggest like stars of the time, right? And, yeah, and John Woo, for those who knew, was already a beast. John Woo had already been killing it, you know, back home. He already had Hard Boiled and The Killer, which are two of, I mean, legitimate action classics. And he has another one in between that one. I can't remember the name of it that I don't remember as like much. But The Killer and Hard Boiled, oh my God. Have you ever seen either of those? No, sir. Oh. Once again, okay, well, but see this, on my list. Yeah, and this throws back to you have never, uh, I'm putting you on blast right here, having never heard the Only Built for Cuban Links album by Raekwon. I'm sorry. I but- know, but see, okay, <laughs> one, if you hear that album, you understand because Raekwon used samples from the killer movie throughout that album. And it nice. gets even deeper than that because if you go back to the first Wu-Tang album, okay. at one point Method comes over, there's a stick where Method, or no, Ray asks Method, yo, where my killer tape at? And Method's like, yo, I don't know, man. Niggas came through with 40s and blunts, kid. You know, came up missing. So the ki- is- the killer tape is what he's talking about. He's talking about his VHS, you know, back in the day tape of the killer movie. Well, this is too rich for my blood. Starring Chow Yun-Fat and uh, John, directed by John Woo. Chow Yun-Fat, the god. The god. And this is when Chow Yun was, you know, the god. This is what established him as the god. Is the killer and hard-boiled. Go watch these films, Satyana. Like, they're... You, I mean, they're just ludicrous. At one point, my man slides down a banister of stairs, firing two guns, one in each hand, and wiping out a room of people. That sounds on brand. 
It's amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, two of the best action films of all time. So I was already hyped to see Face right. Off. So quickly, for yeah. those don't know who somehow don't know this story. Well, I don't say somehow. There, there's a generation that probably has never seen this before. Yes. But it starred John Travolta and Nick Cage. Uh, John Travolta played an FBI agent named Sean Archer, who is obsessed with catching a homicidal sociopath named Caster Troy. Caster Troy. Trade by Nicolas Cage. I'm going to have to flip that next week. Uh, that's where, did Pastor Troy to. flip that? Is that why? Yes, he did. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. Uh, Caster Troy was responsible for killing Sean Archer, i.e. John Travolta's son. Um, so, and and again, ludicrous, ludicrous premise, but... No, you didn't age, even get to the premise. I mean, I'm that, getting to yeah, it. Okay. I, I'm about to. Okay. I'm, I got to preface it. Calm down. All right. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. So, the agent, again, John Travolta, undergoes a facial transplant surgery to get the face of Nicolas Cage. He does that so he can be sent away to prison to find out the whereabouts of some bomb and stop an attack. Meanwhile, this plan goes awry because Nicolas Cage, who now does not have a face, he wakes up, kills the people who are holding him, and takes John Travolta's face. So basically, Nick Cage and John Travolta switch faces and thusly switch people, themselves, roles. I don't know what you want to call it. But basically, it's each of them playing each other, but playing themselves, but playing each other. And since both of them are like <laughs> both, you know, I won't say they're, you know, they're both great actors in, in their range. You know, it turns into one of those films where it's like. This is just hilarious, you know, because it's, it's like hilarious. it's like yeah. Nick Cage trying to play John Travolta and and John Travolta trying to play Nick Cage, and nobody can do Nick Cage. Let's be honest, you know, like, <laughs> like pretty much just like nobody can really do John Travolta unless you're just doing an imitation of them. And neither of them are, you know, what are what's, not imitators? What's the word? You know, for people who could do imitations of people, you know, no. So. It's you mean you mean you mean Adele Dazeem. Yeah, you know, no, they're not they're not that. You know, they're not Eddie Murphy in his prime, you know, none of that. So it it's it's a but it is a classic for those moments because it is so ludicrous. This movie is all the way ludicrous. And it, it's so it's just it's so stupid too, because it's like, how the hell does John Travolta's wife not realize that Nick Cage is, you know, like when she touches her husband, like his body doesn't feel different to her. You know, it's just his face. You know, it's not anything else. But, you know, it's a movie, right? You're supposed to look past all that. Yeah. So they they go back and forth doing this wild 90s shit for the entirety of the movie. Yeah. There's... I mean, it, it really is. When we said ludicrous speed earlier, it's really gone plaid, but it's entertaining. Oh, hell yeah. It is considered a cult classic. Yes. And so today when it was announced that there was going to be a remake, immediately Twitter, as, you know, likes to do, blew up with rage and anger at, you know, Hollywood not being able to do any original stories and doing yet another remake. To which I've lately, you know, been talking about how I feel like there's a lot of hate towards remakes that is kind of unwarranted, in my opinion. And well, I was one of the people with the hates, but yo, at this yes. point, I've given up. And, and see, I don't even feel like you should give up on hating or on whatever or like, okay, a lot of people say, let's say their argument is that for every remake, there's that's one less original story being made, which I can't agree with. 
possibly. You can you can or cannot agree. I, I I can and I can't. Okay, one because in Hollywood right now, 2019, there is such a need for content. Now, while it might not be on you know film or in the theaters or whatever, you, stories are being made, original remakes, everything because there are. 50 million networks now and everybody wants their own exclusive material. So there's going to be more and more projects being made, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The other side of the coin for me is that most stories, if not being out, most art in general, if not being outright remakes of something else takes heavy inspiration from other things. Most movies in Hollywood are pitched as a combination of two movies that you've already seen. Even when it's an original idea, you know, most things can be broken down into, okay, this is Star Wars meets Terms of Endearment or, you know, this is Raiders of the Lost Ark meets Goonies. You know, anything can most things take inspiration from other things. And then the last part of this for me is you have films that are remakes. Let's say uh, Planet of the Apes, right? Now you had Planet of the Apes with Marky Mark, which was pretty bad. You know, but wasn't also an exact remake of the original film. You know, it told a different story, right? And then you had the recent Planet of the Apes, which turned into a trilogy, which to me are pretty all very good films, right? Especially better than the the, the Marky Mark one. Yeah, and they hold up against the original. And even the original with Charlton Heston is a classic. But then there's like five other Planet of the Apes films after that. They remade that joint five. Oh, damn, really? Yeah, there's five other ones. Um, I can't remember the order of it all, but yeah, there's five other Planet Apes. There's two trilogies before we get to Marky Mart's bad one, and then we have another trilogy of pretty solid films. That la- the first one, the first Planet, what Dawn with um, is that Franco in that one again? When Caesar's in the yeah. cage and Caesar first learns to talk is yo that sh- that movie is incredible. Like yeah, that Jane Franco and that yeah, that shit's incredible. You know what I mean? So it's like, and without having a remake, no, yo, dog, I will never. How to yell at? I will (laughs) never forget. I was sitting in my boy's crib, you know, watching this shit, and I didn't know, you know, I was clueless because I didn't see it in the theater. So we watching, you know, we burning trees. I'm roasted, you know, and I'm I'm all I'm all into this movie at this point. I'm like, yo, I'm loving it, but I'm like, yo, is this ape ever gonna talk? You know, I had no idea, and I didn't ask my friend because he'd already seen it. You know, so we just watching. When that said no, yo, I was like, now pause that, rewind that. I need to see it, yo. Well, first of all, Ben, I mean, you were you were hard broiled at the time, so hard broiled. But it it, it hits you a different way. Yeah, but it's an amazing moment in cinema. Like that was a dope moment. You know that ain't was like nah, B, nah, fam. I'm tired of that. It's over. You know, it's a new day out here. So. It's like, like, let's wait and see with this face-off remake, you know, with any remake, with any story. Like I say, you can take, like I pointed this out on Twitter the other day, how much Edward Scissorhands cribs from Frankenstein. But Edward Which I never realized until you said it. I didn't realize it until, I don't, and I, it's so obvious to me once you, you know, think about it. But I had never got it. And mad other people pointed this out before. Like if you Google it, Google it, it comes up right away. But I'd never thought of that. But it's so obvious, you know, it's a creature created from other parts of, you know, whether it comes from other people, whatever, it comes from different parts. This one has scissors for hands, Frankenstein and Frankenstein. Both of them meet a woman. Both of them, you know, fall in love, whatever it is. There's an attraction between them. At the end of it, 
their house is burned up or attempted to be burned up by, you know, people with pitchforks and, you know, flaming torches. And it's all about, you know, the fear of the unknown and the other that Edward and Frankenstein both represent. It's not about shrubbery art. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what I mean. But Edward Scissorhands is its own classic. You know, Frankenstein, certain versions of it, whatever, probably going back to the first one, are classics. Like, you know, you can take a story or you can take, okay, here's another one, Fast Color, right? People consider that to be original idea. I'm sitting there watching Fast Color. I'm like, wow, this is a good X-Men movie. You know, I think it's an original idea, but I also watching it. I'm like, yo, it takes so much from mutants and from that whole idea and from being hated and feared for the powers that you have, which really just goes back like, um, my man, my brother, oh Jesus, his name is slipping my mind right now. Oh God. Um, Juno Diaz spoke about on our show before when he talked about how pretty much all science fiction relates to issues with people of color, you know, and relates to older story ideas. Like, okay, here's another one. Like one of my favorites, uh, two of my favorites, right? Kieran Gillen's Wicked and Divine and Die comics, right? Wicked and Divine to me is one of the most original stories I've ever read. One of the most original concepts that I've ever read. But at the same time, it stands on the shoulders of every comic that's come before it because it uses the sequences of comic art, everything that we've learned in the history of comic art to tell an original story. And then it also uses gods. And all the stories and themes that go along with these gods allows you to immediately come into the story with your knowledge of them and then apply that to, even if you don't know about it, you can go research it because all that is used in it. Like everything is only, influenced. My only argument against that is that is a difference between utilizing a framework and a, a genre and an understanding of how certain things get to be written versus literally a repeat of a whole story that's been done already but see i have yet to see that okay here's another one like there's certain okay psycho right there was well a, this face-off thing sounds like it's gonna be literally the same well maybe not no literally, yeah see once again but, not literally like what like the planet of the apes joint when when that was announced everyone's like okay this to be a remake man you know during the end with him seeing the statue of liberty you know no it didn't it was none of that it was a completely new story just using the name um, a lot of people like the Dawn of the Dead one that Scott Snyder did in the mall. I even enjoy that. It's a different film from the original Dawn of the Dead, which takes place in a mall. It's the same basic concepts, but it's two different films. There's a Psycho remake, which is like a shot-for-shot remake, shot-for-shot remake of the original Psycho. But that type of stuff like that rarely happens, is my point. No, I mean, it's like there's it's very rare that people just completely remake a film. Have you ever seen the remake of About Last Night with all the black type people with uh, Michael Ely's in it? Um, it's real. Yo, it's really good. Yo, like it's a great romantic comedy. I've never Where would seen- I find this. Where would I find this? Netflix? Uh, it might be on there. Yeah. Look it up. About Last Night. I've never I've never seen the original. I think the original is uh, John Cusack and some other people. It's like that early 80s joint. I've never seen it, though. But the remake, I love to death. And it's mad different. I know that. I know the stories are, you know, because one has black people, one has white people. Obviously, you're going to get a different tale right there. You know, especially with good well, I writing. Will say, I will say to the, to the uh, in positive towards what you're saying, I, when I saw, what was it, early 2000s version of Battlestar Galactica, 
which for me, that was the first time I've ever seen Battlegrounds Galactica. Oh my god, that, sh- that shit was yeah. fire! But obviously, I learned later what the original was from the seventies, yep. I guess. And it was some things were changed, but it it was kind of complete change. You. It, it flipped you. everything and it made it so much better, you know. And that's what it is. It's like even like someone told me today, they're like, "Okay, I get what you're saying, but do we have to have another Spider-Man movie?" And to me, I'm like, we have four Spider-Man comic books every month. You know, I've been growing up with having so many tales of Spider-Man in so many different mediums and so many different genres, so many different stories. And so I don't give a if they make another Spider-Man movie like they're planning like four or five different spider TV shows right now. You know, Spider-Man related TV shows. They might not all feature the same Peter Parker Spider-Man we know, but they'll feature elements from the Spider-Man universe. And that's cool to me as long as it's dope stories, you know. Well, this face-off remix, remix, mm-hmm. reboot, uh, Paramount Pictures is doing it with a new cast, and Oren Uziel has been set to write the script. Uziel's credits are 22 Jump Street, The Cloverfield Paradox, and Sonic the Hedgehog. That's it? I know they got other credits than that, I'm sure. They probably got- no, it's other credits, but these are the, these are the highlights. Mm. Cloverfield so, Paradox was that the one with John Goodman where in the um where it's him and the woman and they're trapped under the ground in the shelter? No, I think that's the original Cloverfield, Cloverfield no. Paradox. Isn't Cloverfield Paradox the one where they're in space? Oh yeah, the one that everyone hated. Ooh. Yep, that's the one where they're in space. The one that came out in 2018. Damn, and which uh, I did not see. Yeah. I, I love 21 Jump Street. I don't remember liking 22 as much. I wanted to they have anything to do with 21? Because 21 was fire. 20, 21 was cool, but whatever. Yeah. And it's not like the Hedgehog is on some other shit right now. But so. we don't we don't know about the writing. We don't, you know, we don't know about yeah. the writing. I mean, based on that trailer. <laughs> mm, uh, yeah. Good luck to you guys. Um. Yeah, well, then good luck. You know, yeah, I don't know. You know, yeah, <laughs> um, I'll eat all those words, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, certain, Moving on. Like I say, certain remakes turn out great. Certain remakes turn out bad. Certain original stories turn out great. Certain original stories turn out bad. You never know, you know. Some magic of movies. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Moving on, though. Oof. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> that fucked up you up completely. <laughs> I mean, like I say, hey, it could be Marky Mark or it could be James Franco, Planet of the Apes. You know? I was like, I was like in my head, I'm like, I can't wait till Ben Amin is finished so I can bust him over the head with these facts. I already knew that because I read, I read <laughs> earlier about the 22 Jump Street. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, about that. All right. But here's one. What if they do like face off and it's a black dude and a white dude? Hmm. Mm. My head hurts. Can we move on? <laughs> what if it's a man and a woman? Mm. Once again, my head hurts. Can we move on? All right. Okay. It's yeah. too much. Yeah, these are all, yeah. And Hollywood should take one of these and do it. You already know it. All right. Well, let's see. It is now time for one of my favorite segments. And we actually do have a lot. So we'll have to, you know, might have to save some of these for next week or a week God later. Damn, I just noticed. Yeah, damn, it's, it's popping. Okay. Thank y'all. I see well, I appreciate y'all. Yes. That's not a complaint. I- that's a like well that's just an explanation i appreciate y'all i love when there's too much to pick from versus not enough yes for our next segment long-term listeners know but new listeners might not know about it yet it is called geekwently asked questions the guac it's called what geekwently <laughs> asked questions questions there you go questions Qu- questions that's that's a reference that only a few people are gonna get like maybe one all right yeah Geekly asked questions. Yeah, it's from uh, comedians in cars 
uh, with coffee, whatever, Seinfeld show. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, Great show, continue. though. Great show. Oh, speaking of that, before we go on, bad to Mr. Mosley. If y'all haven't, like I said, go see Hollywood Shuffle, but also peep Devil in a Blue Dress for Denzel Washington and um, Don Cheadle, because Don Cheadle, that's one of his best. And that man's a monster, but that's one of his best. You know, and, and Walter Moisley needs some more coins right now, so go give him some streams. And we now, finally, moving on, the Dequently Asked Questions. The guac is extra. The guac is extra, where we answer any and all questions from our listeners out there. All you have to do is hit us up on Instagram or Twitter, at For All Nerds. You should be following both of those places. Go do that right now. And then hit us up with a question. Anything you want answered, we will answer it right now. Cheer on the show. Mind-blowing. I know, right? Mind-blowing. Stupid dope fresh. And you can also hit us contact at forallnerds.com. If you know if you got a longer question or just don't want anybody to see it. And if you're one of the patrons at patreon.com slash forallnerds, you can, you know, ask us anything. Anything is possible. Can I ask the questions now? You can. Okay. <laughs> that was a pretty long intro, I know. That, that's super long. I was just like, is he done? Are you done? Yeah, are you done? All right. The you first talk. question comes from Lowercase I, uh, a.k.a. Child's Play Gambino, a.k.a. Jamie Unk Daddy Lannister, a.k.a. I'm not saying that. Um, yeah, hello? no, that's terrible. I'm not saying that. Throw that away. Uh, <laughs> hello, nerds. I'm a longtime listener, first-time question asker. I'm, so, I'm sorry I got mad at you for that last AKA. Throw that shit out. Thank you. Oh, daddy, I get it. But that's... Yeah, this, yeah, that, this no, the last one. The last one you, you posted, don't say that. But anyway, continue Never. the question. Yeah. The question I have for you guys today is, if you could choose from any world, be it comic, video game, movie, or book to live in, or have the world coincide with our world, what would you choose? Thanks, you guys. Thank you, you guys, for holding it down for all of us nerds out here who enjoy this here culture. Blessings. Well, thank you very much for your first time question. I My initial answer, because I, I read this a little bit earlier, I've always thought it'd be, I mean, it's been done in movies already. I've always thought it'd be fire if our world coincided with the world of Pokemon. I've always wanted Pokemon to be real. Always. And mad people have always said about the danger and this and that and yada, yada and so forth. These ninjas in the movie some way figured out how to coexist without dying every five minutes. So let's make it happen. I'm with it. Of course, there's going to be some corruption. Um, That's going to be a problem. But I still would love to have like a real life Pikachu at my side. Like, or them, them things like they're big, right? And like brief not fire. All of them. Not all of not, them. Not, oh, no, no. I didn't, I didn't ask that. I said, do they get big? Like they're all ones that did like monster size some. and yes. brief flame. And you're, and they level up, right? And I, it's a battle thing where they attack listen, each other. It depends on where in society. There may be countries that, just like in the, the recent movie, there may be countries that battle them. There may be countries that live side by side with them as if they can just go you, about their lives. You've read House of X, right? You've seen what, 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 <laughs> what did Destiny tell Moria? Like, this is what Why they you? do. This is what they do. I want a Pokemon. Yeah, and then it's, uh, let me do what Jeff Goldblum said at um, Jurassic Park. You know, first there's that 
and then there's the running and the screaming. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. And again, like I said, I know at the end of the day, it may not be a good idea. No. Damn it. I want Pokemon. Pretty much, I, we've answered a question similar to this before, and there is no good. I mean, unless you go for like, <laughs> you know, what book have you ever read? Because books always fill with drama, you know, like, you know, it's like there's never going to be a world in a book where it's like, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, no, because there needs to be some drama, you know, movies, video it's, games, comics, all the same thing. Isn't our world dangerous enough? Yes. Wakanda uh, is my answer right away. Force oh. field. I mean, straight up, you know, like my man Bucky said, you know, shouts to him. I love this place. You know, when the bombs were dropping, there was a force field on it. Like, you know, and Wakanda seems to take care of its citizens pretty well. You know, overall, they seem to be that living a good of. life, you know, that we know of. I know, you know, there's civil war and all that at points. But, you know, like you said, the real world is stressful enough. Um, I don't care. I want Pokemon. Yeah, I'm going for Wakanda. Just keep it simple and easy on it for that one. Yeah. They, okay. it's, it's bad. You know, there's no video game I want to live in. It's, it's always terrible. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think of one offhand. Like, well, we could if you come up with something, we could come back to it. Yeah, but we're coming. Okay. Forever. Okay. Um, this one comes from Michaela Shear, and, and apologies if I mispronounced, but they write, "What is your favorite type of anime genre? Feudal fairy, like romance, mm-hmm. futuristic, like VR, computers, gaming, robotics, or action." I just got into more of the robotic animes in my. As in my. my oh, yeah, I don't know. that I, one. I, I don't know how to pronounce that. Yep. But basically, they just got into more of the robotic anime. So, Ben, I mean, what's your favorite type of anime genre? <laughs> what? Um, yeah. <laughs> you, said, what? you want me to go first? So you could think. I mean, you, yeah, yeah I, you know, I, got, I mean, genre. like. OK, let me go. Because yeah. there are subgenres of anime. I know, so yeah. I, I love. Wow. <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> well, that escalated quickly. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, my eyebrows got burned off Dark that city. One. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say for me, I like... <laughs> I like mecha shows, so which features giant robots, uh, exosuits, stuff like that. Um, so I, again, just robotics in general. I really like shows, I guess, I don't know what you call it, I guess hero level up type shows. So not necessarily DBZ, but things like My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. Um, and for other people, they would recognize it in things like Naruto. Yeah. Um, and then also, I like the somewhat bizarre imaginative one so like uh, a real a real like older one but it's but for me it's classic it's called paranoia agent mm. and it's a short series but it f- basically follows the stories of several people that basically have different um mental issues going on um and how they deal with their issues and and the and the i guess images and characters that they see and how all of this kind of links up to everyone basically seeing the same vision at the end it's really wild and unless you're into that type of stuff you may not enjoy it but it's really cool when you watch it just in full like i i really just if you're really deeply into anime and never seen anything like that watch it um but also stuff that that kind of does crossover so crossover between uh tech and and 
I guess that weird type stuff like psychopaths. Like th- these these animes are just incredible. So definitely take a look at that. Now, Ben, I mean that being said, do you have a particular anime genre you're interested in? Not especially, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I, I besides hentai. I mean, besides you know the classics, you know, obviously. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, no, I'm so not into that, y'all. I'll, I'll never forget the first time someone showed me. It's, it's Dark City, right? That's that's the name of that one. I don't but yeah, I think it's Dark City or Dark World. It's this one that's okay. like famous, you know, in like early '90s, mid '90s. You know, it was known, you know, and I was like, "What is wrong with y'all? Like, you know, who wants to see this?" But I mean, you like anime. Though. Yes, I do. But it's more like you know, I like I like dope animation and stuff and dope stories as all you know as anything. So if the story catches me, it doesn't really matter what it's about, you know, like. I love, um, oh my God, uh, your name, right? Oh, yeah. Oh my God. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, um, which is basically a love story that also involves people switching bodies and time travel. Time travel, yeah. your name. Yeah, and yeah. a bunch of other stuff. And it's soup. That's one of the illest. Um, Princess uh, Mona, uh, Monique. Mononoke. Mononoke. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know what to describe that. That's more fantasy fairy tale. That's fantasy fairy tale. Yeah. 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 But then you know, Cowboy Bebop. You know, right. Robotech. Um. It seems like you're more so on the Hayao Miyazaki wave of stuff, where it's more fantasy. Like that's Princess. No, that's, but see, then also Robotech. You know, also I. Well, that's cool, but also Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, but no, I'm more into Mecca, you know, because I grew up on Mecca first. Like, that was my first introduction to anime is Mecca. And, like, I love giant robots, you know, and when they shoot all the missiles and stuff like that. Like, that that never gets old to me. Um, Yeah, so it just depends. And then, you know, I watched One Punch Man. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I'm still working my way through Cowboy Bebop, and I enjoy that a lot. So See, yeah, it just to, to really enjoy stuff like One Punch Man, you have to have a, a pretty good understanding of anime in general. Oh no, I get all the intros and all that. It's yeah. it's also more just an understanding of heroes and all that, which I obviously know about. You know, I get why what, what One Punch Man is trying to do. It just after a while, it's like I you know, and then the animation doesn't always stand up because they're also doing different styles. And some of those styles aren't my thing. So that's also, you know, different stuff. But I, I do complain about certain anime I can't watch because I just cannot get past the animation. Yeah. Style. Jojo yeah. Bizarre Adventure is one of them. I know people hate me for that, but I, I can't I can't help it. I just cannot get past it. Because I, I love can't get past animation. Yeah, I love ill animation, you know. So it when I've, you know, when I, like I always say, I grew up on, you know, Akira. And so that's like, such a fucking top-notch level of animation that everything else kind of pales. And then also grew up on, like, you know, Tom and Jerry, like Chuck Jones, you know, when he's beasting on Tom and Jerry and stuff like that. So, I, you know, Disney, all that. So, yeah. It just really is dope stories. There's one I don't know the name of. I'm not even sure if it's a series. I think it's a series, but I remember watching a few of it, and I was like, okay, when is this going to be over? And it never was. Um, where these people are trapped in this video game. What? Oh, um, 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 Sword Art Online. Yes, yes, I love that. Just you know the first mean? season was fire. Yeah, I, wa- I watched a lot of that, and I was like, okay, this is never gonna end. I'm good, you know. But I watched, <laughs> I watched a bunch of that one day. It like came on, I just got stuck on it, and I was going through it. So that's what I mean. It it all depends, really, for me. Okay. Yep. I wonder how anime stands up to what you said about original. A lot of the ideas not being original. 
because a lot of this stuff it's like I really have never heard of that type of story for not to say that just because I haven't heard of it doesn't mean it doesn't exist yeah but see also what I, I haven't heard of that. okay that that goes back to what I said before so too though like even I, like I said Edward Scissorhands original Wicked and Divine original you know a lot of things are original okay even something like Immortal Hulk right now the current run of the Incredible Hulk book well I mean it's called Immortal Hulk is a new take on the Hulk which is telling an original story Okay. You know, that's I what should, I mean. I feel you. I and feel you. yeah, I feel like uh, most things just are influences up. And there's also, you know, like I think people, someone broke it down once, like there's seven basic stories that are being retold over and over again with different ways. Like even something like Face Off is an original story, but at the same time, it's a story about a case of mistaken identity. You know what I mean? If you break it down, you can always break things down. That's what I'm saying. I feel like people miss that point. I'm not saying don't. And also, this goes back to Wicked and Divine because that's one of Kieran's big thing. Kieran Gillen, the author of it, one, like one of the big messages he wanted people to get from that book is to create and break the rules and do new things. Don't just do what's being done before. And that's what I'm saying. When I'm telling, when I'm saying people don't worry about remakes or original, because I'm just saying tell a dope story. It doesn't matter what use you get. You know, if you do a remake, make that shit ill. Immortal Hulk is one of my favorite comics of all time now because it takes what was done in Hulk before and it spans on it and makes a completely new story. So, you know, it's okay. not, yeah, it's not a remake. It's just about doing ill. That's why I, I feel like people miss that because people are still so worried about having an original idea instead of just telling a dope story. And then the original idea will come out of your dope story. Good advice. Yep. The next question comes from Kurt Kitty. They write, is it difficult being critical of a project you see for the first time, like a movie, TV show, a comic, etc., but then turn around and have to write a review for, then turn around and have to review it for the show. Sometimes things get better with time. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's difficult, but it's also like, I want to be fair as well. And I want to be, become a better critic in general. Mm hmm. I want to be able to have the access to review and critique more shows and have more access, not just for myself, but also for you all as listeners. So while it's difficult, I still want to push through. Um, interestingly enough, this reminded me of a couple of weeks back, I believe, when we were talking about the new shows that were coming up on Netflix and the stuff that I wasn't really feeling or wasn't quite sure about. Mm -hmm. And one of them was a Black Lady Sketch Show. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about while though I wasn't really feeling a lot of the skits, I also felt like people need to give it time because we give so many other things time mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and the ability to grow with grow and, and, and get better. Uh, but we, we often are very harsh towards things that are created by people of color. Like it has to be perfect the first time out. Um, interestingly, the, the reason why I mentioned that, because interestingly, the recently, I would say the last week I saw three different skits and all of them were really hilarious to me. Mm. And this is complete, almost not a complete 180, but this this is a, a big change from my few, you know, last month where I was watching them and I'm just like, okay, it's all right. This mm. time I was like, oh, this is this is really funny. This is imaginative. This is this is hitting and and this is this hits different. So yes, some things do get better with time. Some things resonate more. And something like Ben Amin had has always taught me. Like you have to, and he, and people have taught him, especially when you're starting to write, you have to write the bad out mm -hmm. in order to get to the good. Like you kind of just have to keep going. So yeah, like I, I will say some things you need to give chances. 
Yes. Other things, I'm not giving no chances because one, it may perpetuate a really bad false stereotype. Yeah. Maybe, you know, racism, all the isms and all that stuff. I'm trying not to continue to perpetuate that. But yeah, just in the context of this question, um, yeah, it's hard, but we do it. It's difficult, but I also feel like we as traders are good. Like you said, we strive to get better every time, every day. And we also have learned, like you said, I learned a lot from actually working in Hollywood that I didn't have an appreciation for the creation of stuff that I had until I was actually on the inside. And because of that appreciation, I've learned to, you know, like kind of like, Yo, just chill out a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, there's no need to just talk. You told me not to call it trash. Yeah, because straight up trash. (laughs) Yeah, because you were actually entertained enough to watch it. You know, that's one thing. Like, if you make it through 60 minutes of a show or 30 minutes or whatever, you made it through it. Like, either you were hate watching because you were entertained, or you, you know, there was something about it. And that's what I always try and look at. What was it about it that kept me entertained enough to watch this whole thing? Because I've definitely turned off so many things or turned the channel, you know, whatever the case may be, and just moved on and never looked back and stuff. And then there's stuff like something like a Game of Thrones, which people just tore apart relentlessly, especially in the final season. But I was like, yo, this shit was something about it got us this far. And I enjoyed it. Like the ending of Lost is another one that people just tear apart. And I enjoyed it, you know, all the way through. It just, you know, it's like, all right, but for your point and your question yes it's definitely difficult and i feel like people i just wish people would take a minute to breathe sometimes before just going out there and being like yo this is how i feel about something okay yeah i had to get uh like one last one the last jedi i remember when i saw it i was like yo this shit's the worst and then i went home and thought about it and i was like oh and that can actually lead into one of these other questions we have on here. And this will be the last question. All right. The guac section. Uh, it's a little. Is this J-R-J-F-A-Q's? Or is it R-J-F-A-Q's? R-J-F-A-Q-S, I think. Okay. At. Oh. Yes. My fault. If you can change anything about the Star Wars sequel trilogy, what would it be? And, you know, we were just talking about Last Jedi. And. No, I know most people hate Last Jedi. I remember I said something about it recently. People were like, and I'm like, oh my god. Um, I would. I go I, ahead. I feel like Finn gets the short shift. You know. Yes. That, short end of the stick. Yeah, pretty much. Like, and I rewatched Last Jedi recently, and I still feel that way. There's a, a cut scene between him and Phasma that was supposed to take place in the Last Jedi which gives him that moment that I feel like he just still has not had in these films. And I don't know why they cut it exactly for what reason. Cause you know, it's, it ends with the same way with him dispatching Phasma, but it gives him more of a moment where he's like, yo, I'm a rebel, you know? And he's like, nah, B, this is what I am. And I'm, you know, what? And it was a dope right. moment for him as an actor and for, you know, just Finn as a character. And yeah, that's all I, do, I really I do feel need. Like they're wasting him. Yeah, I, I do feel like he's been largely wasted. Now, other people say, well, give it a chance. I'm like, but it's a whole ass movie. Two movies. So now. it's just like how many two movies now? So how many chances can you give it? So yeah. I, I do think they, they wasted him. Um, my my whole thing, particularly Star Wars, has always been where are the black women? Ooh. And when there are black women, I don't want to be a CG face. I want to be an actual face or get blown up or whatever. But Did you see Solo. 
and in the world and 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 the world of Star Wars, niggas get blown up every day, B. So yeah, it is yeah. what it is. No, but, but did you see Solo? Have you seen Solo? Yeah, I seen Solo. I mean, you saw how they yeah, just wasted. Solo. You know what's I they wait? They wait. But my thing is also Star Wars has largely blows up. Yeah, people. Star get blown Wars up. has largely wasted anybody. Yeah, facts. without a second thought. I mean, and you're in space, so it's not like you have a chance. Fat people really uh, catch it in Star Wars, though. Shout out to Porkins. First of all, my man's name That's is Porkins. No, this is his name. No, I know. I'm saying what happened and yeah. the way that treatment is fucked up. My man's name is Porkins, and he gets blown up immediately in the Death Star run. Like, he's the first to go out and when they fly the ships in. And then there's a larger man in The Last Jedi who gets blown up again. It's it's bad. Like I said, a lot of people just get, catch the bad ones, True. sometimes unceremoniously in Star Wars, unless your name is like General Leia Organa. Yeah. Um, but to that point, like I said, for me, it's just always been the lack of black women in the series. Obviously, we're going to see one, um, coming up. Yes. Um, and again, I just, you know, like when they announced, um, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, like years back. Oh, man. Remember how hype I know. Oh my God. I was screaming hype. I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to be a Sith or, 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 you know, whatever they're called at this time. Oh my God. I was going off and off. And then we saw the little CGI dots on her face. I'm like, uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> but there was then, still hope then. You know, you were like, okay, maybe she's a mask. She's going to pull the mask and, off. And then she became Maz Kanata. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. Not that Maz is a terrible, Maz is an okay character. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Would have been nice. Would have been nice. Would have been nice. But that is it for the guac section. Again, if you have any questions for us, whether it be about geek and pop culture from the perspective of people of color, um, or you want the perspective of people of color, you can hit us up. Contact at 4allnerds.com. You can email us if you have a longer question or you want some privacy. You can also hit us up on our interweb socials at 4allnerds. In addition, we've made it very easy where you can go to our website, forallnerds.com, and in the sidebar and in the footer, there is a guac form. You can actually fill it out with your name, your AKAs, and your question, and you can send it to us, and we see all. Wow. Uh, and and also, I always, I always want to make sure I never forget this part. If you're on a certain tier of Patreon and you ask us a question, you get a guaranteed guac question asked on this show. And again, like I said, you can ask us all sorts of questions. It doesn't have to necessarily only be related to geek culture. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, don't matter. We answer any and everything. You know, we got advice. We got all that good stuff. You know, we like to bring joy and light into people's out there. So thank you, for everyone, for sending in those questions. And it is now time for, oh, man, it's it's been a minute. It has been a minute. It has been a minute. But yes, it is time for, I, I can't even do the soundtrack, I mean, sound effect, but you know, <laughs> Tet News with Tatiana. False. No. Wrong. Wrong. It's not happening. In, in, a, in the words of Charlie Murphy, wrong. Wrong. Habitual line separate. <laughs> oh, oh okay. it's Tech Talk with oh, Tatiana. There we go. We have oh. the... I, Hopefully, we'll be able to dig up the sound effect for that. I don't know what happened to it, where it is. Oh, I, I mean, uh, it's around. Yeah, I, just, I, mean, I don't have it where around. I can, like, push a button right now and play it. But TED Talk with Tatiana. Yeah, it goes something like that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So today was the illustrious, 
I say that with a lot of snark. Apple event. Hater. Uh, this is your yearly fall event where they reveal everything that you don't care about and then the newest iPhone. Um, they reveal three different iPhones today that you are would you may be interested in. Oh, I am. They, oh, you are. Are you in the market for a new phone? Oh, am I? I'm. I'm not only am I up for um, upgrade. I'm considering just dropping the rack and buying the joint. And I wanted to ask. Oh, you, you mean that. straight up? Yeah, that, that's my guac question of the week. Is it better just to buy the phone if you have the means than to pay the uh, leasing fee? Depends on your financial situation depends yep. on how you deal with upgrades like are you the type who needs a new phone every year no uh, uh when it comes to iphone or uh, really any phone no you, it's a lot of factors you have to you have to put in place i'm still on the seven i think let's put it like that oh well it's time for an upgrade it sir. definitely is so should i just buy this outright and keep this one for the next three years would it save you more money to buy it outright because yes. when you uh, for some people when you do the math for a lot of people actually when you do the math it's actually cheaper to just buy it outright but again yep. like i said i don't know what your financial situation is unless you're telling me that you got it like that i could afford <laughs> buying the phone right now let me explain what's coming out and you decide you want to make the decision okay so there's the iPhone 11, which is the, the new entry level iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one that comes in mad colors. It comes in white, which looks more like a cream, black, yellow, green, and purple. It, they kind of look more like pastels. Yeah. Uh, and also the red, like the product red version. Um, it is going to come with two lenses that you should be used to by now. Um, both a 12 megapixel wide and 12 megapixel ultra wide camera, which basically allows you to take either tighter or really wide shots without moving your vantage point. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And also they've incorporated a night mode, which will help you take better low light pictures. People who have pixels and galaxies and certain other Android phones already know to deal with low light pictures. Their phones have been bomb in that area for a long ass time. Now that's the entry level. There is a big daddy, which is the iPhone 11 Pro, and it features three cameras. It's going to come in three colors. Uh, the one they're calling Midnight Green, a Space Gray, Silver, and Gold colors. Um, screen is off the chain, like they always try to say. Um, the battery is going to last longer than the previous iPhones. We know all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. The, the important part, the three cameras. One 12 megapixel wide camera, one 12 megapixel telephoto camera and one 12 megapixel ultra wide camera. Now, again, same situation. You can shoot something from one vantage point and be able to produce three different shots. So unless you really have a need for all of this horsepower, it's probably overkill. And a lot of people have seen this and said it was ugly. So that has also people are so that that one. I I learned a new phobia today that people actually have phobias of the phobia. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Tripophobia? I'm sorry, dog. If you have a phobia of spots or holes, yeah, you must have a rough life, fam. Like, well, I understand that because you you walk over grates and you, you see grates. You can't live in New York. You know, you can't if you, Well, it's not just it's not just balls. holes. It's really let me explain. It's not just holes. <laughs> it's a cluster of circles actually drawn in, in, in a let me explain you laughing. It's a cluster of circles that's more so that looks like a hive. So why are you laughing? So when you Google trip tripophobia, and that's how you pronounce it, tripophobia, 
But I mean, you're laughing at people's phobias. <laughs> they can laugh at mine. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm horribly scared of clowns and dolls. Trypophobia is an aversion to the sight of irregular patterns or clusters of small holes or bumps. So think of <laughs> damn Maddie shoots, bro. Like small. Like are they scared of their own skin? Like your skin is trying maybe, to maybe, maybe because. If you and hopefully if you don't have trypophobia when you if you Google this, if you do, don't Google, because the first thing that comes up on the right, if you're on a desktop is pictures of what they mean. So there's a zoomed in picture of what appears to be like a um, what did I say? What did the bees be in? Uh, Hives. The, not just the hives, but one of those honeycombs. The honeycombs, honeycombs. They zoom in on a picture of like uh, a raspberry because, you know, raspberries like small little dots <laughs> together. Why is this funny to you? <laughs> Because <laughs> Tad shit stressed over raspberries. I mean, yo, they look delicious. But some people can, listen, there's a lot of phobias that you may feel are irrational, but it's real no, talk. Like, I have an irrational fear of clowns. You know? And actually, the more I'm looking at it, the more this is freaking me out. So I'm oh closing my the window. God. I'm closing that tab. But the point is, <laughs> it is triggering this in some people. I understand. Think about this. Like, Spiders, for instance, their eyes that that triggers it as well. I mean, that's weird. That's well, just, yeah. well, well. So if you can find that weird, if you if someone sees something else in nature that resembles that, why would that not be weird to you? But it's the same situation. No, really. If you Google Google it right now, look at it side by side. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah, it is. It's, I know what the spider's eyes look up close, but also you know, I, I don't know raspberries. You're rude. I'm eating them shits like, uh, you know. You're rude as hell. I am. You're rude. Just what I was saying. You're rude. Yes. Uh, to close this out, um, there's actually much more detail. I'm not going to get into everything. We have limited time. But the iPhone 11 will drop starting at $699, $699. The iPhone 11 Pro will start at $999. And the iPhone 11 Pro Max, which is just a larger version, bigger battery of the Pro, yep. will be $1099. Pre-order starts this Friday, September 13th at 5 a.m. Pacific and shipping will start September 20th. And of course, the current iPhone line has been reduced in price. So if you're not trying to go with the latest, greatest, you can get you uh, a pretty good iPhone for a pretty good price. And there's a lot more information that happened during the Apple event. Like I said, limited time. But if you want to know, hit me up on the Twitters at Tatiana King. I have it pinned on my profile, the entire thread from the event. As I do every year, I cover it. Um, and what I do, the way I cover it is I skip all the evangelization. I, don't, I skip all the stuff that doesn't really matter. I give you the facts. And I throw a little snark in there. Enjoy. <laughs> Tech Talk with Tatiana. Uh, all right. So that's it for Tech Talk? Yeah, um, that's literally how I ended it. And I know. You, you paused like I had something else to say. I know. I was, <laughs> I was really hoping. But, you know, since you didn't, oh, well. Um, it is now, you know, that's it for Ted Talk. Everyone out there is so happy that it's back. I know everybody right now is just cheering in joy right now. You know, you can hear the millions and millions chanting Tatiana's name. But it's now time for my favorite segment. You know, it's so beautiful to have those back to back. It's been so long. So now we have Ted Talk with Tatiana leading into Comic Psychon. 
you know, comics I copped, where we cover all the comics that you've been copying, reading, buying, doesn't matter, old, new, whatever, independent, mainstream, it doesn't matter. Just use that hashtag, comics I cop. That's comics I C O P P E D. Use the hashtag on Instagram, on Twitter, any social media out there, Facebook, if you know, you're still out there using that joint. Uh, comics I cop. I mean, you should be. We have four nerds on Facebook, so why not? You know, the community's popping over there as well. Yes. Comics I copped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've actually got some, you know, equally asked questions related to comics I cop. So I'm going to answer that one first, and then I'll get into what I've been copping lately. Oh, jeez. Right. I mean, we actually have a, a few. What? You don't have to answer all the questions. Wow. I, 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 I just realized that. Oh, all right. Well, I'll, a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll get some of those later on. But the first one from Ogun Seven L. I think this is at Ogun Seven L. They say, I love Bone Parish. Bone Parish is a comic book from Boom Studios. Boom does an independent studio, does a lot of really dope comics. They're the ones who uh, produced The Once and Future by Karen Gillen, which is selling out everywhere. But Bone Parish is the book that Ogan loves. It's about a black and Creole family in New Orleans, New Orleans, selling a drug made from the memories of the dead. Wow, that's I've heard of Bone Parish, but I've never read it. They asked, are there any non-mainstream or independently published comments featuring POC that you recommend? And I mean, that sounds like stuff we talk about every week. But, you know, just to give you a rundown of some of the ones we've been talking about lately. Excellence with art by Kari Randolph, friend of the show from Image Comics, features Mm -hmm. a group or society of wizards who are african-american and operate behind the scenes in keeping society on track very dope extremely dope excellence by image i tell you to go pick that up because i have a feeling that real soon you're going to hear about excellence being adapted into a tv or movie so you might want to go get those while they're still on the low um you know wicked and divine one of my favorite books of all time features a very diverse multicultural cast in modern day britain no, uh, you know, go back and listen to old shows. Go listen to the Kieran Gellin episode if you need to know about more about Wicked and Divine. Bitter Root by Sanford Green, um, another dope series. That t- I'm not sure if it's in New Orleans, but it features a family. Oh, yeah, it is in New Orleans, right? In the 1960s, 70s, features a family of occultists, black, who are battling against the occult. I mean, come on, we go on and on. Black, I mean, Jesus, yeah, there, there's a lot, basically. Uh, Prodigy, Queen of Bad Dreams, Abbott, Skyward. Any that I'm missing that you could think of? Mm, I think you're asking the wrong person. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I gave you. I mean, if you want mainstream, we can go to Ironheart. We can go to Moon okay, Girl yeah, and Devil Dinosaur. You know, we can go to Shuri from Marvel Comics. There's so many right now. It, it's really amazing that I can say all these. You know. There's also, hold on, let me go grab the book. Keep talking. Yep. All right. I think think that's it. But, you know, we'll get back once you come back with the book. Let's see. I've got some other questions here. All right. From Day Drinking Poppy at PerryDawd77. They say, what do you suggest a Marvel fan getting back into buying comics start at? And that's a great question. It depends on how long it's been since you've read Marvel. But I would say House of X and Powers of X right now, especially if you're an X-Men fan. It's some of the best work Marvel's done in some of the best work any comics company has done in years. And if you're an X-Men fan, it's just amazing. 
so fire. Yes. Um, to to just quickly backtrack and just answer that question, um, I picked up on on my outing, my like fifth outing to the content <laughs> Midtown Comics. I picked up Omni, Ooh. which is part of the Humanoid series. Um, written by Devin Grayson with art by Aletha E. Martinez, another god. Um, Kwanzaa, uh, uh, and, I, and I keep mispronouncing his damn last name, but Kwanzaa, who wrote uh, Black, the Black series, yep. you know Black? Mm-hmm. Um, he's also part of that team, and it's based, on, it's based on concepts that were created by Kwanzaa, Carla McNeil, and Yannick damn this looks ill this just dropped the first issue yeah i picked up the i don't know if it's just dropped but i but maybe it is, i don't know i saw it just hanging on the wall and i'm yeah. like holy shit that looks good because the way and first of all i love aletha's uh, uh art oh that's aletha from um yes um what did she do before that's why I said this aletha the god yeah what i gotta look it up but go ahead so like the cover at least the cover i got it um it has a black woman she has she has like she's wearing like like cornrows slash bun situation. She's wearing like a, some tactical kind of gear. She has gun. Are these guns or are these pills? Whatever they, these are. I thought they were bullets, but mm-hmm. pills that look like bullets. But the point is, um, it, it's, I, I don't even want to give it away. I read it the other day. It's so good. Oh, wow. I want you guys to read this. I, I got to go get this. this. Read this. It, ah, how do I? Ex- okay. It basically follows a character named Cecilia uh, Kubina, who is a medical doctor. She used to work with Doctors Without Borders in Central African Republic, uh, but that was before she ignited. Now she's traveling through the United States looking for answers and trying to understand the mysteries behind the changes behind our planet and uh, trying to uncover the true meaning of what it means when people ignite. Mm. So if you can kind of draw draw, uh, conclusions on what Ignite means, it's similar to with mutants when they find their powers. It's done completely different, though, and the story is is, is different. It's different. I love it. So check that out. It's called Omni. Okay. Uh, Another one to backtrack to that question is this book Killers by I think when I keep saying it's by Brian Claymore or B it's B Claymore, you know, writer B dot Claymore and artist Fernando Dadnino. And Killers is a limited series, five issues, and it's about five deadly assassins are recruited into a game of cat and mouse by their former sensei, the mysterious Jonin. But Killers is ill because the two major assassins that we've met so far are a black woman and a black man. And these dudes are like super assassins. Like they can use their Kai, their, their Chi, their mental energy to um, manifest in different ways. So they all have like ill type powers and stuff. And it's a black woman and a black man. And it's from Valiant Comics, another independent company. So, you know, that's yet another one. So I would definitely check that. I've been enjoying it. The first two issues are out now and third should be out very soon. So, Definitely check that one out as well. All right. Uh, I guess I'll answer one more of these. And, um, I literally less than five minutes ago told this man he don't have to answer all of them. He just wants to answer all of them. I mean, why not? You know, <laughs> it answer, it all, it's also solving me from having to figure out what to talk about this week in comments I copped. So TJ Slurms McKenzie asked, what are some current comic book runs that you think people are going to be talking about 10 to 20 years from now? Wicked and effing divine. I say that without question. 
also Young Avengers by Karen Gillan and Jamie McKelvey, which ran into some trouble down in Brazil this weekend because they were trying to ban the book because it features a homosexual relationship. And I think that is one of the reasons people will be talking about Young Avengers 10 to 20 years from now. And also, it's just absolutely effing incredible. It's like where Karen and Jamie McCovey first broke out. Um, House of X and Powers of X. I'm, I'm stamping that, you know, halfway through it. I'm, I'm putting my stamp on that. I think that people will be talking about this run 10 to 20 years from now. I think it should be that influential. Um, okay. Mm, that is a great question, though. Immortal Hulk, I might say, maybe, I'm not sure yet. House of Vets and Powers of Vets, I'll also say that. You know, I'll put that disclaimer on, too. I'm not 100% until they both finish their run. Like, Wicked and Divine finished now. And even though pretty much halfway through it, I thought that, you know, people would talk about it 10 years from now. Now that it's finished, I, without question, I would say that. 10, 20 years from now, easily. So House of Vets, Powers of Vets, Immortal Hulk, I'm not 100 on just yet. But I think they will. Saga. Was one of those books that I think is just stand the test of time. Paper Girls probably as well. It's mm. about it offhand that I could think about. Have you gone through the entire compendium of comic book history in your head yet? No. Planetary. <laughs> See? Yeah, Planetary, definitely. Planetary by Warren Ellis and John Cassidy, I think stands the test of time. I, I mean, it's one of my favorites. And that leads into our last question and pretty much it for Comments I Cop tonight. No one 215 says, DJ Ben mentioned Wicked and Divine being in his top five comics. What are the other four? I'll ask you first while I think of this. What are your top five comics that you've read? Or series, runs, you know, whatever. Uh, Vision. Oh, okay. Um... Um, Old Man Logan. Okay. Wicked and Divine. Okay. I'm looking, if, if, it, if I sound like a lot of far away, so I'm looking at my bookcase. Yep. Red Sun. I know you love Red Sun. That's Paper probably, Girls. Yep. How many is that? Paper Girls, Red Sun. Is that four or five? That's five right there. Wait. Bong. Yeah. Wicked and Divine, Old Man Logan, Paper Girls, Red Sun. You said something else to start. Paper Girls, Red Sun, Old Man Logan, Wicked and Divine. That's four. Oh, Vision. Vision. Yep, five. All right. Solid five. Solid. That's a solid five. Thank you, sir. Old Man Logan is not my favorite, but I understand. You know, it's hilarious at points. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, it, for ideas and shit, that shit's up there. You know, it. yeah, it, it's, it's definitely, yeah. It, it's making my top something. I'm not going to lie. Because it's definitely hilarious. All right. For me, Wicked and Divine. Um, Grant Morrison's X-Men run, New X-Men, is definitely one of them. Planetary. All-Star Superman, probably. That's four. Um, damn, I would hate to throw Young Avengers in there just because it's like, that's two books by Karen and McKelvey. But... That's, it's definitely in the top 10, so it might make the top five, you know, on a good day. Watchmen is somewhere in there, even though it's not my personal. 
Yeah, I think that's about it. I'd say Planetary, mm-hmm. uh, Wicked and Divine, um, All Star Superman, and whatever else I just mentioned because I'm 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 blanking again on what I just said. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, but that changes every day. It's like ask me who are my top five rappers. <laughs> You know, our top five albums. That changes every day, pretty much, you know. It could change tomorrow. I might read a book tomorrow and I'm like, yo. Like, in House of X, uh, House of X issue three, or I think it's two, the the Moira issue is, that's one of my top comments of all time now, you know. Die, uh, Die by Karen Gillan and Steffi Hans, issue number three, is one of my favorite single issues of all time. You know, there's a there's a issue of pre not preacher an issue of um Hitman by Warren Ellis where he meets no Garth Ennis that's Garth Ennis where he meets Superman. It's just one single issue of Preacher where he meets I mean of Hitman where he meets Superman, and it's just one of the illest comics to me ever made. You know, so it's tough. Yeah, that that changes all the time. But Wicked and Divine is always in that top five. Okay, cool. All right. And that wraps up Comment Talk Cop. As always, you know, please make sure you use that hashtag on all your social media, Comics Talk Cop. Thank you for everyone who's been using it. Hit me up. One of the tall comments, you can hit me anytime at DJ Ben, I mean, at Tatiana King or at For All Nerds. And, you know, hit us all up. We love talking comics at any time. Let us know what you're reading. Damn it. I did want to give a quick shout out, though, to Clayton Cowles. I hope I pronounced your name right. Clayton is a letterer who worked on Wicked and Divine and is now doing House of X and Powers of X. And just like colorists, I feel like letterers don't get enough credit for the work they do in creating in comics because the letterers do everything, not just the, you know, speech bubbles, but all the sound effects and all that stuff. And that can add or to subtract to a comic, just like the art and the writing can. So I want to give a shout out to Clayton because they absolutely destroyed it on Wicked and Divine. And some of the illest stuff in House of X has been the lettering. So shout out to them. And shout out to letterers in general. Taco Tuesday. 